Jamie is over and Jamie is gone. And that's all. I don't remember the rest of the words of that song. But hi, welcome to the Gratuitous Thrones. I'm Jackson Nefflin, and I don't much care for this episode. And I'm your co-host, Alex Greyhawk. Neither do I. <laughs> so when we were doing our sound test, I tried to say words and just meant wound up making sounds like a deer dying. Ma! Ma! <laughs> that's where I'm at. Uh, where do we want to start? So, typically when we record this episode, we have no idea what the episode title is, and I have to just tack it on right before we upload our podcast. We haven't really talked about it because, for the most part, the episode titles we can't really speculate on. I would bet good money that this episode is titled Ring the Bells. And yeah, I feel like if your show is so dense on spoilers that you can't name episodes without it being a spoiler, then you've maybe gone too far down the rabbit hole. And should just go for vague things. Some of us need to edit podcasts, D&D. <laughs> and, like, I love evocative episode titles. It's one of my favorite parts of television shows. Like, going very off topic, my favorite episode of Futurama has one of the greatest episode titles ever, which is How Hermes Requisitioned His Groove Back. That is a very good episode title. Meanwhile, the Into the Badlands community game is trying to figure out what the heck the episode titles mean when we have Fist Like Bullet. White stork spreads wings. Two tigers of two dragons. Snake creeps down. And everyone's just trying to figure out what, who is what animal this week. We are only going to have to put up with it for one more episode, but goddammit, Game of Thrones, just give us the episode titles. Right. So anyway, this is season eight, episode five, which may or may not be ringing the bells. Let's talk about the good stuff. I start off with some positivity. Okay. I really like some of the opening scenes with Varys. They're very good. One of them has this amazing shot where it's a dark room, but Varys is standing in the only beam of light, reaching his hand out, but the darkness of the room is sort of enveloping him, which foreshadows his upcoming fate as this light was going to be snuffed out when we see him again a little later. Basically same angle, but now the light is just a candle and it's almost gone. I also really like how subtly they imply that Varys is attempting to poison Daenerys. She's not eating, sir. We'll try again at supper. They expect you back in the kitchens. Uh, the way that she has to go up and like hand something back to Varys, it's all really good. Also, if you had told me that Varys was not going to make it to the end of the series before now, I would not have believed you. Varys seems to always survive at the end of the day. He's smart and keeps his head down. Well, yes, but when the series started, Varys was interacting with characters who had more than one approach to any given problem. That's very true. Other good things. Everything involving Tyrion continues to be fucking excellent. Yeah, it's all really good. Peter Dinklage is a great actor. He really understands Tyrion's motivations. And I just really loved his conversation with Jamie and this very clear difference between where Tyrion was at the very beginning of Game of Thrones and where he is now. He's willing to sacrifice his own life to save tens of thousands of people. Mm -hmm. Like, without a thought, almost. Yeah. Also, that conversation was very good, but it was also, this is the last time our characters are going to interact forever. Yeah, but yeah. I mean, I kind of figured that was going to be the case. Either Jamie and Cersei make it out and they, like, fuck off to Essos or go into hiding somewhere, or, like, they die. There was no other way that was going to end. Yeah. John being a sweetie and saying, we're not much for riddles where I'm from. It's a very John line. <laughs> Varys realizes, oh, he's too northern for my manipulations. I should just say what I'm thinking. Ugh. 
It's like when, you, when you're hanging out with someone new and you use a word that they don't understand. And you're like, oh, I've got to bring my vocabulary down to their level. Dragon Queen bad. You crown? <laughs> I did enjoy that part with John. Most of the other John stuff this episode, not so much. No. The Golden Company have really nice uniforms. I also loved the scene of Davos after things go to hell in King's Landing. Nah, I'm gonna get people out of here safely. That's my job now. Yep. Davos continues to be a class act, and I love him for it. At least Emilia Clark in this character really has just one trick, but she does it very well, and it's that thing where she goes from expressing emotion to not expressing emotion to show that she's gone to the dark side. I also love the hair and makeup direction for her this episode. It definitely shows you how, like, she's not sleeping well, she's very on edge, and by the end of it, unhinged. Very good at giving us those visual cues of what's to come. This isn't, this isn't actually a good thing, but it made me laugh. There's a bit where Tyrion's saying, hey, Danny, you shouldn't kill millions of people in the Red Keep. And she's like, ah, but if we kill them today and also Cersei, then we will save all the millions of their descendants who won't live under tyrants. And I appreciate that, like, 4D morality chess that she's playing. Yeah, just torturing the words until they come up in your favor. One other thing that I really liked... The subterranean parts of the Red Keep where the dragons come up was important this episode, like I called four episodes ago. Was it actually important? I mean, they played an important role because that was how Jamie got in and out, I, or was attempting to go get in and out. I, they, they were where events occurred. <laughs> I won't say they played an important role because they were just set dressing, but they were certainly there. Any other good things that we can squeeze out of this? I know, like, a mixed bag for me was Clegane Bowl. Clegane Bull was okay. Clegane's makeup was very good. Like, finally getting to see him without his helmet on was horrifying. He was scary. The way his armor and clothes just kept falling away and just had this scary gray mask was great. It was really the only compelling fight of the entire episode. Really well choreographed. Everything felt important and weighty. I liked that aspect of it. I'm just not a huge fan of Clegane Bull actually happening because it doesn't fit Sandor's character i'm also very much of the opinion is that sandor should have been dead after staria left him to die that was the perfect end to his arc i don't know how i feel about his heart to heart with Arya. it's like you can't hold on to these grudges it's going to lead you to terrible things that's what happened to me and it's like a that's probably good advice for Arya to hear but b his resentment of Gregor has almost never come up. Like, yeah, he hates his brother, but he just avoids him whenever possible. And that works. I think the conversation was fine, but it should have happened like four or five kingdoms back when they were in the north, not when they're in the Red Keep. And they're like a few rooms away from Cersei and the Hound turns to Arya and like, hey, have you considered not being a slayer? And Arya's like, you know, you're right. I could not be a slayer. Yeah. The other unfortunate consequence of all that is that Arya sneaks into King's Landing and doesn't do anything. They sneak in, they get into the Red Keep. We don't see her, like, murder any of the guards, try and get up to Cersei or anything like that. She doesn't help with the battle plans and whatnot. In fact, we don't see her for most of the episode. We see them initially sneak in. The entire battle until the surrender happens then danny's like no fuck you I'm not going to t accept your surrender things go to shit and then we finally meet up with them again Arya does leave the red keep and she's like struggling to make it out of the city but 
she doesn't even accomplish anything there. We were talking about it, and then immediately right after we were complaining about that, she wanders into that room full of people hiding from all the destruction outside. And she's like, no, we need to leave. We can't sit here or we're all going to die. And we were both like, yes, excellent. Arya moving from I'm going to kill people who wronged me to I'm going to save innocence. Excellent move and change of motivation for Arya. But she doesn't even get to fucking do that. She grabs a mom and her daughter. The mom gets sideswiped by a Dothraki, can't keep up. She's like, take my daughter. The daughter won't leave. And then they get burned by Drogon. Her only accomplishment this episode is riding a horse out of the city after everything's over. I will say that not dying in King's Landing was an achievement for this episode, but that's all I got. I guess she probably would have died if she stayed in the keep, but the second she leaves the keep, that is no longer an issue anymore. It was just a matter of can she get out, and it wasn't like she managed to make it out just ahead of the fireball or whatever. Things were done, and then she left. She waited under some rubble. I mean, I will admit this. This is probably the most Game of Thrones this season has felt. It made me remember all of those other points of Game of Thrones where everything is stupid and awful and wasteful and I hate it, but without any of the surprise or shock or impact. Like, all of the dumb, wasteful people trying to grasp a power or holding grudges. Like, I called those out a mile away every time this episode. Right. So let's kind of get into it. Danny winds up burning King's Landing to the ground, and there's nothing left, basically. She's Queen yeah. of the Ashes. Yes. Queen of the Ashes of the Dead Men. Yeah. Specifically, Danny is riding on Drogon, is able to sneak up on the Iron Fleet and burn all of it before they can get any of their ballistae off. Then goes around the wall and destroys all the other ballistae and blows a hole in the gate where her army is waiting outside. Then, as Cersei's realizing that there's no way she can win, we hear all these people crying, like, ring the bells, ring the bells to signal a surrender. And it's this really tense moment, and then it finally happens. And then Danny gets that unhinged look on her again, and is like, no, and starts burning everything. Mm -hmm. Which could have been a surprise. On some level, it, it was a surprise that she's burning civilians. But it wasn't that much of a surprise. Yeah. I think if they'd done other things this episode to set her up to show mercy, like if she'd shown mercy to Varys, mm -hmm. that could maybe think, okay, she's not off the deep end yet. If they win this fight, they'll be fine. And then have her like be triumphant and then go on a backslide as opposed to be already on a backslide and just keep sliding. Yeah, they needed to plant a few red herrings. Mm -hmm. This also leads to another scene with the ground forces led by like John, Davos, Grey Worm. They're on one side of this kind of opening in the streets and then a group of the Lannister army is on the other. Like no one is attacking the other. And as soon as like I saw no one fighting, I'm like, oh, they're going to surrender. And then Danny's going to just burn them all anyway. That's not quite what happens. Grey Worm gets this angered look on his face and chucks a spear into the back of the commander and... Like, the forces just go. John's trying to hold them back, and one of the Lannisters, like, slashes at him, and then it's just a full-out brawl. Mm -hmm. I think it was definitely in character for Grey Worms, given how angry he is about Missandei, to not accept a surrender and to want some vengeance. That makes perfect sense for him as a character. Yes, I, I agree. And I'm glad we get some of that from him, because it was bothering me that for the first 20 minutes, it was all about Danny and nothing about how Grey Worm feels about the love of his life being dead. Yeah, we got that one scene with them in Dragonstone where he, uh, Danny hands over Masande's collar to him. Mm-hmm. 
And that's it. I also really didn't like what it ended up being for John, because, like, it makes sense that John would try and hold his troops back, would not begin fighting, because that's not honorable, and he's Ned Stark's son. Yeah. And it's even in more or less the same kind of setting where Ned and Jamie had that fight that led to Ned being locked into dying. Yeah. I just really hate that he gets forced to fight because the Lannisters start attacking back. Yeah. There's also this really unfortunate scene where he has to prevent a sexual assault. Right. Which, of course, gotta have that. Yeah. Uh. Also, I'm fine with the idea that Danny's dragons can smoke out some ships. I'm fine with the idea that they can take some ballistas. But I feel like the fire was more powerful than usual. Like, there were whole bricks just disintegrating. Just gone. Yeah. To the point where I feel like it felt unrealistic to me as I know I'm saying that about like a, a fire breathing dragon and all that jazz, but it still felt like like that power level had been turned way up. Yeah, it felt less like fire and more like it had breath that was a portal to the f- dimension of force. Yeah. <laughs> God. <laughs> yes, I made that nerdy ass X-Men reference. You also made a X-Force reference talking about the Kingsguard uniforms. So, yes. Yeah. I know what I am. You know what you are. Yeah, but the, like, force dragon just felt, like, too strong to the point where there there was clearly no hope of King's Landing winning, but then it got to the point where it was just destruction porn for way too long. None of it felt compelling. Like, they've been building up this fight for episodes at this point, and it was just a complete curb stomp. There was almost no tension. All the tension came after the surrender, and it was more so, how are all of the characters going to react to Danny not accepting surrender, not showing mercy? Right, which could be really interesting, but also she's up on a giant flying death machine and they're on the ground, so they can't really do much. Like, even if, say, Arya or Jon or Davos wanted to stop her, they can't because they're not on a giant flying death machine. I mean, there is for sure a part of me was hoping that Arya or Jon were just going to be like, nope, I'm going to slay that dragon, but no. Yep. Also, why weren't there ballistae in the Red Keep? Surely, you've got all those towers, just put a few ballistae up there. You're dealing with an aerial opponent. The Red Keep has the highest points in King's Landing. Why you wouldn't have outfitted at least a few of them onto the keep walls makes no sense. Mm -hmm. It also could have led to a really fun tense scene where they've got the ballista and Danny's flying towards it. And we have the question of what's going to happen next? Especially if like Cersei, for whatever reason, has to man it. Sure. Well, I'm going to say or another character we care about because I can't imagine Cersei with a ballista. Well... I can. I can't imagine Cersei being the one's man of Ballista, but also that would mean it's either Kyburn or the Mountain. Neither of them seem like they'd be good at it either. I'll save it for the end, but I have a thought for how that could have gone and created some more tension and been more interesting. Okay. Let's talk about another useless fight that we did not need. Euron against oh, Jamie. Oh, God. So Jamie can't get into the Red Keep before the gates close, so he has to make his way down to the beach to get to the secret entrance. As he is walking up to it, Euron crawls out of the goddamn sea and is like, (laughs) fight me, come at me, bro. It was so bad and achieved nothing because Jamie wound up dying later from unrelated things. Yeah, I have in my notes, damn it, Jamie, don't give him the satisfaction. Yeah, and Euron's like, oh, if you kill me, you'll kill two kings. I'll write songs about you. Yeah, I think it was what eventually got him. like, yeah, I had sex with Cersei. Really? Like, it wasn't even a good fight. Euron didn't have a proper sword. He just had this, like, stiletto dagger. Both of those things get knocked away pretty close into the fight. And then it's just a fist fight, which... Euron, are you going to challenge someone who has a gold hand to a fist fight? 
That seems like a dumb idea. Yeah. I think it might work if we care about Euron as a character, but this show has done nothing for Euron. He's been treading water. Uh, we didn't even get a Kraken out of him. Right? Like, honestly, I would have been so down for, like, Kraken versus Dragon fight. Yeah, it's an underwhelming fight. It's not well shot or well choreographed, and Jamie gets stabbed twice, but then is like, eh, it didn't get me the plot armor, so I'm fine. Valerian Steel can't pierce plot armor. Yeah, and, like, this, the dagger's not small. It's probably got, a, like, a 10-inch blade on it. Yeah. So, like, he's definitely hitting major internal organs. But not major enough that Jamie can't climb the stairs all the way up the red keep and all the way back down and then try to move some rocks i'm also really disappointed because i really thought that jamie was like heading south to try to kill cersei yeah i really thought that jamie felt bad i'm the one who's enabled cersei for so long it's my job to take care of her then i can go back and be home with brienne yeah it felt like the end of last episode it could have been read either way it's like no i care about cersei more than you or no cersei's hateful and so am i I hate Cersei. I need to deal with this. And then we get to the point where, like, they're down in where they store the dragon skulls. The exit is completely blocked in. There's no hope of escape. And Cersei's like, I want my baby to live. I want my baby to live. Jamie, don't let them kill me. Literally, two hours ago, you had that chance. Mm-hmm. And various points in this episode are moments that could be really big like that, but there's no exit possible there's like no one has any options available to them so they're hollow moments because it's just characters expressing their thoughts about the situation as opposed to expressing their thoughts to explain why they're making a choice they're making it all feels like oh we have to give everyone these like significant last words and jamie's last words are like oh like it's you know it's always us it's like sappy stuff that no one else matters it's just you me yeah which i feel like does not fit where his character has been going the last season or two. I get it. Abuse can make you backslide. That is totally understandable and it's really tragic. But I feel like they haven't done the work to earn that. A lot of this episode felt like that. It doesn't make sense for Arya to be four rooms away from killing Cersei and just back off. It doesn't make sense that Sandor has this burning hatred and wants this revenge against his brother. He's just accepted it. His brother's an asshole. I'm going to stay over here. Sandor killing his brother didn't really matter to the overall story. It wasn't like, oh, he's killed Sandor and now Cersei can be gotten to by Arya and or Jamie, Or like, oh, Sandor is gone and now he can't do any more harm. Sandor wasn't really... He didn't feel like a threat anymore. So, uh. This episode felt like it was just ticking off boxes the entire time. Like, it had a list of... Here, here's everything we need to hit in the second to last episode and was just sprinting to finish that checklist as soon as possible. Mm -hmm. So if this were drawn from books that were written, which I do not think that it is, although who knows how much of Winter, Winter has done, I could see this being an episode that was meant to take place only from one or two perspectives, like say Jamie or Arya or whatever. And so it didn't work in translation of trying to show us what all these characters are doing when really only two or three of them are doing things that matter or are all that important and the rest we'll find out about afterwards mm -hmm. but it doesn't have that defense so speaking of that we got a lot of scenes of Arya just running in long takes away from things and it didn't build up to anything it didn't lead to her making choices I mean it showed us how scary the city being destroyed by a Godzilla was but I've seen any Godzilla movies 
there was so little payoff for so many plot lines here. I don't know, just really disappointed. Going in from last episode, I had no idea where they were going to go because they only had two episodes to finish everything off and they kind of just, let's try and get as much done with this one and nothing felt satisfying. Mm-hmm. Well, I shouldn't say nothing. Most of it didn't feel satisfying. Mm-hmm. And even the parts that did were kind of, ah, well, this is over now at least. I will say the game bowl was at least visually very satisfying. The lights, the colors, they were very Yeah, nice. like I said, that was the only compelling fight scene that we had this episode. Everything else, there was no tension because they didn't film it that way. Everything was just this complete one-sided thing. That was the only thing where we had some actual tension. I mean, I guess there was some tension between Euron and Jamie, but... At this point, I don't care about what either of those characters are doing. Euron, no one has ever cared about Euron in this show. Literally no, no one. They've no done one. absolutely nothing with him. And I don't expect many people give a shit about Jamie after what happened last episode. He made Brienne cry. Yeah. There was a moment where I thought that Euron had actually killed him. And I didn't care because I thought that Jamie was dead or because I was angry at Euron. But I cared because I thought that, oh, wow. The show made a daring decision and had Jamie killed by this nobody character in this nowhere place in the plot instead of doing anything important. That could have been a really daring thing that would be in line with the kind of shocking things that Game of Thrones likes to pretend to be. Exactly. But it wasn't that. Jamie can survive being stabbed in the all the organs twice, mm-hmm. I guess. Which would be fine, except that we saw the same thing happen to the mountain and that was to show how undead he is. I guess what is gold can never die. You mentioned that you had a way that you would have fixed it. Okay, so things are going more or less as they have been up to the point where John has broken away from the group because he doesn't want to be involved in this fight and he, it's chaos in the streets now. He realizes what needs to be done and that Danny has to be stopped. He sees where the last ballista is, which at this point is still standing. It's somewhere in the Red Keep. He sprints for that to try to find it. Meanwhile, Arya doesn't have that conversation with the Hound. They just go up to the Red Keep. The game bowl is happening so that Arya has a way through. Cersei knows the Keep better than her, so she's managing to like get away. Arya, Jamie, Cersei, and John all wind up in the ballista room at the same time, and they put their differences aside long enough to agree that Danny's gotta go. And the idea of those characters all working together to kill a dragon would be really interesting and would also wind up with a hey, we just did this thing together. It's kind of awkward to kill each other now. And that could be really satisfying, even if they don't succeed, even if they fail and, I don't know, one or more of them gets fire blasted or whatever. It could still be a satisfying scene of these characters putting aside their differences for the real threat. And that might've been really engaging and brought the tension back. Yeah, I don't disagree with that. Yeah. Or even if um, Cersei had been about to be stabbed and she says, oh no, I know where you can find one more ballista or something like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Anyway, Cersei's gone, and I'm sad about that. You no longer have anyone to be an apologist for. Oh, 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 <laughs> you sweet summer child. I can be apologist for so many people. Looking over my notes, one thing I didn't uh, talk about. So Danny kind of reuses some of the lines from the previous episode. She hasn't felt any love here. Like, the people of Westeros don't trust, don't love her, and so she must rule f- through fear. Blah, 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 blah. John tries like, well, I love you. And then they try and make out, but it's awkward. And John pulls away and she's like, fear it is then. I just keep coming back to this. Like, why don't you just take your toys and go back to Essos? It makes the most sense. People liked you there. You also left a wake of destruction there. But if you didn't specifically, I need that specific Iron Throne, not any throne that I could have in Essos. 
It's just so frustrating. Mm-hmm. And I'm not frustrated by that as a writing thing, because that's definitely part of her character, but it makes me frustrated with her as a character. Exactly. Yeah. So like, they've successfully achieved a thing with their writing, but that thing is making me feel frustration. Yeah. As opposed to, oh no, her, the tragedy. Like, she's kind of always on this path. I haven't believed for several seasons that there's a chance that that wouldn't happen. Yeah. Like I said, it's Game of Thrones. Things are always awful and wasteful and pointless. And this episode definitely reminded me of that, especially after some of the more awesome things that we got this season, like episodes one through three. Yeah. One more episode. One more episode to go. <sighs> one of two things is going to happen is John is going to be like, what the fuck, Danny? They surrendered and that's going to call us a whole fallout. And one of them is going to end up dead. Or John is going to be like, well, it is what it is. I promise to serve her. I need to maintain my honor. And Cersei ends up on the throne and we're right back to where things were before Robert's Rebellion. Yeah. I think you mean Danny's going to end up on the throne, but yes. <sighs> yeah, that's what I meant. <laughs> but I mean, tornado, tornado. Yeah. <laughs> Cersei somehow walks out of the rubble. It's still my throne. I also definitely expect Tyrion to resign his hand after this. Yeah. I guess the only question left for this episode is, what was with the fucking horse? Yeah, I have no idea what that's all about. Maybe it would have made sense if the Tully's house sigil was a horse. Yeah. But it's a fish. Yes. Actually, no houses that I'm familiar with have a horse. The Baratheons have a stag, but that's the closest thing I can think of. Uh, I guess the Dothraki have horses as their thing. Yeah. But the only person I can think of with a horse is uh, Miranda from the Badlands. (laughs) Sorry, I think you're bringing that up. I also feel like it's supposed to be like a certain horse that we've seen before or whatever, like it's Ned's horse or some shit. I think it might be the horse that the like leader of the Golden Company had at the very beginning because it's it's white. It has the same sort of mane. It has that like pink nose with a little bit of black splotches towards the bottom. Okay, so Arya finds that guy's horse. Why does that matter? Exactly. It's not significant other than that characters had like two lines, none of which were in this episode. After this terrible episode with that terrible end for Arya's arc, we were just making Equus jokes at that point. So. Yeah. After this, I cannot say that I'm excited for the finale. Yeah. Which is very unfortunate. I've loved getting here, but the last few episodes are like, they're not going to do it justice. Yeah. It's weird. Usually the episode before the finale for each season is like, oh, that was so stressful. I want to see what happens next. Now I'm just going to like, eh. John's going to kill Danny. Then they're all just kind of going to go home. And then last 40 minutes are just going to be a rom-com between Sansa and Yara, realizing <laughs> that they're meant for each other. That's it. That's how it ends. I see the future. You know, I'd really love, like, one of those, like, cheesy 80 movies, like, as the credits roll, like, where are they now for all the characters? Gods. <laughs> Great way to end the series. All right. Well, I think that's it for this episode of Gratuitous Thrones. If you want to make sure to tune in for the next and final episode of gratuitous thrones that'll be going up a week from now if you want to be alerted to that follow us on facebook twitter podbean or spotify later this week we have the beginning of our sports bracket if it's not out as this episode goes live then it will hopefully be out within the next day or so but we'll have a full listing of the bracket so you can make your predictions before our first episode which will be rocky versus eddie the eagle this has been gratuitous thrones Thanks for tuning in.